0: This is Other Voices. We are listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You may reach me at mhs at I'm talking to Wendy Dwyer, a lifelong activist. She is going to take her commitment to recycling and fighting pollutants all the way to the grave literally. She has signed up for a green burial with no chemicals, no embalming fluid. She'll be wrapped in just a biodegradable wool blanket. It's in my blood, she says, noting her mother had an organic garden in the 1950s, turning poor soil into black gold through composting. Our longtime readers will recognize her name from her activism on so many different fronts. And the first topic I want to talk to her about, her name popped up on a comment that she made on a letter that we got from Mary Jo Batters, one of our regular readers who had read our editorial on Saving the Planet and suggested that besides embalming and cremation, there's a third option for burial, natural or green burial. And Mary Jo even quoted Walt Whitman's line from Song of Myself, which I love. I bequeath myself to the dirt to grow from the grass I love. If you want me again, look for me under your boot soles. And Wendy posted, thanks, Mary Jo Batters. I'm having a green burial. (laughs) So we hope this is way off in the future. But I just wanted to have our listeners understand what a green burial is and how you came to decide on that.
1: Well, it was easy. Um, Once I heard that it was being done locally, I immediately called and made an appointment and two of my friends uh, went with me, Diana Wright, who runs Food Scraps 360 composting business, and my friend Tina Lieberman, who is a spark behind all things good happening in Albany County on the zero waste recycling reduction, the whole thing. And the three of us went to Vale Cemetery and um Turned out the people we were speaking to were uh, it was Dr. McAvoy, who I used to work with a million years ago or used to go to a million years ago because I'm an old nurse. <laughs> and anyway, I uh, bought myself and Diana a plot and you just go in the ground I'm and I'm going to go in with just I want a wool, a totally biodegradable wool blanket and plant flowers on me. No chemicals, no embalming fluid. Just I want to just go back and be compost. And uh, that's what we're supposed to do, you know, in my opinion. My mother was a big follower of Rachel Carson and Silent Spring. I was raised with organic gardens and compost before people even knew what we were talking about, because my mother in Guildenland Center started her organic garden in 1955. Oh, my gosh. She really was ahead of her time. She was ahead of her time.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, for those of our listeners that aren't familiar, let's back up because Rachel Carson's Silent Spring was really in many ways the start of the modern environmental movement. Just tell us a little about your mother and about that book.
1: Well... I mean, I read the book so long ago, I don't even remember, but uh, my mother was uh, going to school to be a doctor and uh, and then had a little trouble with math and decided to go be a nursing professor. And um, my mother was a very bright woman, Jane Dwyer, uh, who you will all remember if you've been around, because she was very active in Guildland Center in Albany County. We always got the Altamont Enterprise. My mother worked on women's issues. My mother worked on one of my favorite groups, Save the Pine Bush. Um, She was just a brilliant woman. Um, She always could think outside the box and make something out of nothing. And we didn't waste anything. And my father was a firefighter, fought the fires in the pine bush. Uh, Every so many years He was a life member of the fire company So they both did a lot of volunteer work And um, Silent Spring Rachel Carson tried to tell us that You know It's so long ago since I read it But if you're using pesticides And you're Damaging the whole Life cycle You know basically I don't know if I can really uh, Give an abstract from the book But she knew that we couldn't pollute the planet. She knew that we couldn't kill one thing without killing other things. And... um yeah, that's. I just can't.
0: No, I think that's a perfect synopsis. It's the the whole web of life. The whole idea that humans aren't some superior yes. force <laughs> that can dictate nature. It's the other way around. We're part of this web, and right. um, the Silent Spring was, and we're experiencing it now. There's so many fewer birds, so many fewer insects. The noises have have faded with our not just industrialization but our our poisoning of the earth so yeah that's that I think that was a great summary um but I'm just fascinated so you grew up in this family of active volunteers and your mother had an organic garden in the 1950s wow so like what kinds of things did she grow what was in that garden
1: she grew most all of our food. Yeah. She, she grew, you name it. She grew corn, beans, potatoes, onions, um, beans, yellow beans, green beans. Um, I mean, all kinds of squash, strawberries, uh, blueberries. Later on in life, she's had blueberries. There were flowers. When they moved there, it was that... Development had been an old onion farm over by the industrial park. And um, so it it was uh, farmland, and it also had a lot of springs, which one was near our house. Uh, So the ground tended to be wet. She had to work that soil up from being nothing. And she just, we had a compost pile. We had a cold frame she started lettuce she had a compost pile and made dirt and by the time I sold her house unfortunately I still have land there though uh, when she died in 2010 the soil was black it was like gold at her house it was just amazing what she managed to do with leaves and you know just compost yeah there was Chemicals and, and I've been here for 22 years. I've never used a chemical on my property here. Well, so it
0: really makes sense. This green burial idea of compost. You have this lifelong appreciation of ashes to ashes, dust to dust, like the the things that um, dissolve in the soil, creating new life. So yeah. that's wonderful. So. <laughs> It's in my blood. Yeah, well, I I can see there's a lot in your blood. The nursing, you became an RN, and your mother uh, was the nursing professor. And the activism, so many of us as teenagers felt like we were (laughs) rebelling against our parents if we marched against, say, the Vietnam War or whatever. But um, here, for (laughs) you, it was continuing a
1: family tradition
0: uh, to be an activist,
1: Yes and no, because I was so hard-headed and strong-willed that I actually was rebelling against my parents as a teen, and I actually did leave home at 17. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I moved out by myself, but, um, you know, I certainly have a lot of respect for my parents, and we became very good friends, you know, and I admire them both greatly. Yeah, but I did do the rebellion thing. I did
0: at seventeen. That's really a tender young age to have moved out on your own.
1: I was I was headstrong, and actually, I just saw I think in the Altamont Enterprise the story about uh, the former Magley's trailer park that uh, they're trying Cross Gates developers are trying to build a self storage place now. I think on the. Maybe it was in the Times Union. No, no, it was in our paper. um, The
0: land was owned by Crossgates Mall, and they're selling it to a developer to make a storage unit. Yeah.
1: The second place I lived after I left home, I might have been still 17 or I was 18, was Magley's Trailer Park. I lived there on that land. Such nice people, and I lived... Over time, I had moved to a trailer that was right on the border of the reservoir that used to be there that one day the i got up and the reservoir was gone i thought i'd lost my mind the, the dam had broken and the intersection at stuyvesant plaza was flooded and there were carp in the road they had to shut the road down and the dam had broken and the reservoir was gone and then um, at one point magley's came and told me that i had to leave that the park was being sold and um some lovely elderly neighbors there offered to buy the trailer from Magley's for me. But that wasn't possible and I had to move. Oh what but I a, what a is. story. Carp in the road after the <laughs>
0: reservoir dam broke. Wow. That's yeah. that's quite a story. So um I just had looked through, searching for your name, and you have been an activist in so many different causes. 20 years ago, you were organizing the Peace Walks at Crossgate Mall. And um, you told us at the time, I'm just looking for the news article, that um, it was the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks that... Yes. Um, got you involved with a peace movement and you said then this country's using it as an excuse to go to war. We don't need to cause further terror. So how we're living in a continuing time of war. If you could just kind of share for us those days 20 years ago and what was involved in those peace walks.
1: Well, you're quoting that makes me feel like crying to tell you the truth because I I firmly still believe that Um, right after um, 9-11 like everybody else on the planet probably everybody else in the United States I was you know just totally confused and you know uh, you know didn't know what to do and then about two or three days after nine eleven, I said, my God, there's going to be a war. I just knew it. And I said, this is crazy. And so uh, there was a, I got involved. There was a march in Hudson. And I went to that because I couldn't seem to find anybody that felt like I felt. And I went to the march in Hudson and hooked up with an old friend from my first nursing program way back in the 70s. And then I went to a gathering at the Federal Building in Albany. That was the peace groups that I'm now involved in. A lot of those same players, um, they were collecting blankets to send to Afghanistan. And that's where I met Pat Beadle. And Pat Beadle, who is just in her late 90s from the same Freeze movement that merged and is now Peace Action, New York State. We have a local chapter, chapter Upper Hudson Peace Action. Pat Beadle brought me into the fold, Sue Clark of peace action, I started attending those meetings and we were trying to figure out how we could prevent the invasion of Iraq. And one of the things Paul Ream came up with was, he said, uh, I remember exactly what he said, some places around the country are organizing protests in malls and we said, yes, cross gates. And uh, it was planned and we put the word out to the Catholic workers and oh, a lot of the other groups. Probably the Solidarity Committee. We put the word out to a few groups that existed at that time, and I think it was twenty-seven of us, or seven, maybe seventeen of us entered the mall from different entrances with signs on us that said, "Don't attack Iraq, may peace prevail on Earth, and drop toys, not bombs." And of course, they tried to round us up i was on crutches because i had had a knee surgery i think or no i had a fall and they were chasing us all over telling us to get out and we were saying yep we're leaving and i said i lost the nut off wing nut off my crutch and i kept diverting trying to find it and we just used every excuse we could to stay in there till they hauled us out so then we organized with the women's building and more groups and we took a hundred people back in uh, maybe a week or two later, or th- I don't remember. And then we took 300 people in. And meanwhile, Steve Downs and his son, Roger Downs, wonderful people, Steve, uh, attorney with, uh, well, he's works with like the Muslim Solidarity Committee and Roger Downs works with um, Sierra Cobb, just wonderful people. They went in and tried to buy a T-shirt at the mall and they got a t t-shirts and put them on that said like don't attack Iraq or something like that and they got arrested They well they got told to leave actually the
0: shirt said peace on earth (laughs) talk about a radical
1: message Steve Downs t-shirt said peace on earth (laughs) okay yeah I see my I have a terrible memory terrible memory and um, yeah so you know that story so they got thrown out and let's see Who was it Steve that got arrested? No, Roger got arrested, I think. I can't remember. Maybe Steve got arrested and Roger, they both... Anyway, that really started the conversation, you know, because, you know, Steve is an attorney and and they bought the shirts right there at the mall. But...
0: Yeah, it got national attention. I mean, it was a story that we covered locally, but it also got national play, this idea that...
1: It got international because it was being covered in Japan, I remember being told. Oh, wow. These. Yeah. So and unfortunately, we couldn't stop the invasion of Iraq. And I remember the night of shock and awe. I was at work and I walked past the TV set and people were cheering and I said, what's going on? And the screens were bright orange and they said, shock and awe. And I, I, I went to my office. I could barely walk. My legs felt like they were going to cave in. And I went to my office and sat down and cried. And uh, then I think 27 of us got arrested laying in the road with a uh, not in my name. Um, we had taken a pledge, not in my name, to uh, condemn the invasion of Iraq and the rest is history now everybody knows there was a lot of lies there and we were just dragged into a a big pack of lies you know we know Iraq had nothing to do with 911 and Saddam Hussein was not killing babies in incubators I'm not saying he was a good person and there's a lot of bad people but war is always a crime it's immoral it's a moral imperative to resist war and
0: that's So that's quite a a story that we just heard. Can we back up a little and hear about you were arrested for lying in the road? Just tell us about that. What road was it and what was that experience like?
1: Well, it was bizarre. It was in front of the federal building and um, we had planned it very carefully because now I am a I have always been a very law abiding person. You know, I, I don't. I don't do anything illegal normally. So it was a big curve for me to do something like that. And probably for a lot of us, you know, um, and it was terrifying and we moved up to the entrance of 787 and, uh, they did haul us off to the jail on Morton street and held us. And, and we got, um, We got uh acod it's called you know most of us. some people i think got a misdemeanor for resisting arrest but i didn't resist it was scary but i've never regretted it um my parents were proud of me i didn't tell them for a long time but it found out i found out they had found out but i didn't tell them i was afraid they'd be upset and they were proud of me for resisting and trying to just put my body on the line to say that it's wrong and um yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking this morning about your question about the history of some of the work I've done, and I'm a minor player. I'm like the person that sits at the easy up tent. I'm not the thinker, really. But I made, within two minutes, a list of 48 people that I have met. A large number of them, number of them have become very dear friends. But I can think of, within two minutes, I can think of 48 amazing people in this area, most of them, a couple are in D.C., that I know I could call on any of these people at any time. A few have died. But the most wonderful, amazing people that I've met in this journey of resisting war and trying to prevent the destruction of our environment. I can imagine the bonds would be very
0: strong because yes. if you're doing something, as you describe it, is terrifying, like lying in the road. The people that you have with you would be very important. So do you or any of these 50 or so very (laughs) dedicated people get discouraged with a lifetime of protests, and yet here we still... Have war? Do you... What What keeps you going? What keeps you at it?
1: Oh, I think we all get so depressed sometimes. I mean, I, I'm beside myself at times. You know, I... I mean, just... I mean, now we've just had a sabotage of this gas pipeline um, in the ocean with this uh, invasion of Ukraine. And... It just it's I call it you know the term ecocide has been used. We're destroying this planet so quickly even just here on my little acreage here in Canaan I see so many changes the trees are dying there's invasive species every day more invasive. A friend of mine just texted me that he killed a a, a lantern fly a spotted lantern fly in Virginia it, you know we're we're blowing up everything we're on the closest we've ever been to total nuclear destruction the risk of nuclear destruction um, the uh, the clock the doomsday clock and you know it's sometimes it's really hard to you know we try to understand why human beings are so flawed and so out why are there people that are so out to destroy everything instead of working together I it's very hard to understand how people can only think of themselves or their pocketbook. You know, the military-industrial complex, the fossil fuel people. Um, and sometimes it's very hard, the weapon sales. It's very hard to get your head up off the pillow and um, keep going. But I'm not ever going to let them keep me down. I will. I will march till my final breath and resist until. Because we have this beautiful planet and we have so many beautiful species. And I can't turn my back on that ever. I never will. I will not. I will not be complicit. I will always resist. I just I owe it to the I owe it to the children and all the species that can't speak out. I mean, the corner blue butterfly, you know, the the uh all the species the the oceans you know we owe it to them it's a moral imperative to resist and people have to get educated the plastics industry right now is horrific back up for the fossil fuels now they're just going to make all the plastic they can and pollute everything with that and pfas and it's all connected it's just all connected Every bit of this is connected, and we're all connected, and we really have to learn to work together. And if it wasn't for these people that I've met, I mean, this list of 48 is just the top people that come to my mind. There's, I've met thousands of people in this struggle over the years, which started before 9 11, actually, because it started in Cape Cod with the U.S. fish and wildlife poisoning gulls. But, but, um, if it wasn't for all these wonderful people that are dedicating their lives and what time they have to a better world, I would have gone crazy. So, um, I will never stop fighting, <laughs> and I cherish the wonderful people that that lead me. And you know, there's so many people, so much smarter than me, but um, I'll never stop fighting. Yeah. And we have to think of everything we can do, you know, how we can reduce our footprint on this planet, which hopefully we won't destroy with nuclear weapons. You know, I, I work with like Zero Waste Capital District and we're working on a bottle bill. I work with the Repair Cafe folks. We're trying to fix things. I work let's with just- Save... I want to just, this is great. Some of these
0: groups that you work with, if you could just kind of give us a little (laughs) thumbnail of what each one is. Um, I guess the name kind of tells you with zero waste, but just tell
1: us a little about that. Well, Zero Waste Capital District is working on ways to reduce uh, all this trash. How, so like how to reuse how to refuse so i won't buy anything in a plastic bottle we're working on composting we're working on the bottle bill we're working on getting glass into the um out of the waste and into being made into like fiberglass like we're collecting glass at the honest weight co-op uh clear glass and green glass um i forget which colors but we're collecting glass to try to get it out of the out of the waste stream for like capping landfills and into actually being recycled like for fiberglass and uh we have they have a website the zero waste capital district we're doing education on composting um the repair cafe movement there's one in borisville on october 8th the first one for your area um at the library in Borysville is Repair Cafe is volunteers getting together to try to fix things so people don't have to throw them out and try to reduce waste that way. We're fighting like the Dunn Dump, the Rensselaer Environmental Coalition, and this is connected like to the issues out at Seneca Lake with Seneca Meadows, trying to get these landfills closed. And part of closing landfills and CD dumps is to decrease the waste. It's all connected, you know save the pine bush you know them well trying to save the globally unique habitat of the pine bush that the town of Guildland just totally irresponsibly is just trying to build everything they can and it makes me sick to go down route 20 and see that giant hotel in front of cross gates the whole thing just makes me sick and they're destroying a globally unique habitat, and they seem to not even care. I I just don't understand the town of Guildland at all. But, um yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place, I know. My brain is like a magnet in a room full of metal. But... <laughs> I love that metaphor.
0: But that gets to the question of how do you sustain yourself? You've got all these things that you care so passionately about. What, what do you draw on to, to keep it going?
1: ADD maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I've always had a lot of energy. Um, it's starting to fade now. I, I I I never give up hope, even though I can get terribly depressed. I guess I draw on the good people I work with. You know, I draw on, you know, people like Maude and David Easter and Elliot Adams from Veterans for Peace, and you know Tina Lieberman and all these Sunny Oaks and the folk music to keep the message out there. I mean, Pete Looker, I. Terry Robin, I draw on these wonderful people I know who keep me sane and we just fight together and you know I go to peace vigils I've been standing in the road for 22 years I guess 21 years now we stand in Delmar we stand in Chatham we stand in Schenectady we stand in Saratoga we stand in front of the Capitol. that one's been going on since I think the 60s or 70s we stand and we support each other and we keep fighting and there's people all around the world there's people everywhere doing this I mean think of Rachel Corey and there's people on every landmass everywhere trying to prevent the destruction of the planet it's not just me that's for sure I'm a minor player like I say I set up the easy up tent I wash the dishes that's what I do
0: well, I think you do more than that. I think you have a passion that is probably just as supportive for the people that you depend on as <laughs> theirs is for you. I would I would imagine that. But um I just Well we
1: thank you for your wonderful paper. I mean you do an amazing job of sleuthing out information and reporting it. I mean we Peace Action just honored Katrina Vanderhoofel at their uh annual fundraiser, the William Sloan Coffin event, and the focus was on journalism. And people doing work like you're doing, Melissa, uh, is critical because so many people are misinformed, uninformed, afraid to be informed, and you really sleuth it out and you never back away from the tough issues and Your name, your paper is brought up frequently at meetings. It was just brought up the other night at the Rensselaer Environmental Coalition. You know, people are watching what the Altamont Enterprise says. Well, that's heartening because there are fewer and fewer
0: places where you feel like you can have the democracy sustained. I think one of the important things about our paper is we not just seek the truth and print it, that's our long-term motto, but we try to involve people like you writing this comment to Mary Jo Batters or Mary Jo Batters herself writing a letter. We try to harness the energy of the community to be involved and to make a democracy work. And so... It takes it, it takes it takes the people to move something forward. but I just wonder if you have closing thoughts, our time has gone so fast and there's so much more <laughs> I wanted to ask you but um, if you could just leave our listeners with some closing words, I think that would be wonderful.
1: stand together for planet Earth because all the species deserve it and every, every species, and every child on this planet, every living, breathing, not living being deserves a clean place to live, a, a, every, a, a clean place to grow food, food, housing, healthcare. It's just, we're all in this together. And the sooner we learn that we're all in this together and stand together, the better we have a chance uh, it's like uh, that. Um, uh, the prophet uh, Gillian Kilbr- Kilbran, what is his name? Uh, the the oak, and you stand close, but your strength comes in standing close, but not so close. Um, I can't think of the name of this Cahill Gabran. I yes, yes, the prophet about the 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 roots of the oak and the pillars and that your strength is in being close and standing together but not so close together that you're smothering each other we have to all stand together work together support each other and work for this planet because we're all gonna go down together. Everything is going and we're destroying species that don't even get a chance to vote or even know that species that haven't even been discovered are being destroyed. Before they've even been, we'll never even know they were here, except maybe some DNA if we survive to study it. We're destroying everything and it's wrong. It's not right. We have to stand together.